Amen? I mean, it's either truth or it's not. And I want to talk to you about that today. But before we do that, I, uh, I want to... One of the things that, you know, we, we've begun, we have, we have family nights, and one of the things that happened, has been happening on the, one of these family nights is that my grandson, for the past probably, I don't know, two months, has been saying, Papa, I want to help you preach. Yeah. So a six-year-old is saying, Papa, you need help with preaching. <laughs> Wow, you're all ready. <laughs> I haven't even introduced you yet. <laughs> so I thought maybe it would just go away. And it never did. And he kept saying, Papa, I want to help you preach. Papa, I want to help you preach. Well, Papa's the pastor. And so Papa wants to have a very special guest help me preach today. He said he wants to use this one because it's his size. So he does have a message. He has something that, that God wants to say to you. And I hope that you'll pay attention because it's very, very important. So Luke, this is Luke Rickard. All right, go ahead and share. One day, God told Noah to build the ark. They built it, the ark. And then... They, uh, but, and then they got two of each animal, boy and girl, and then the Lord came and God closed the door, and then the Lord came and they sent a bird out and it brought back a stick and they followed it and then God went to land. They found land, and then God put a rainbow to never flood the earth again, and God always keeps his promises. And, and God is a promise keeper. God always keeps his promise. God promised me years and years and years ago that he would, through our line, that he would continue and call those that would be set apart to go out and to preach the gospel. Amen. You know what you saw today? The faithful promise of God fulfilled through a little six-year-old as he preached the gospel to you. Amen? Amen. That is, that is generational legacy, or a portion of that. And, uh, and again, what a blessing it is to see that happen. And again, this is just not simply for me and my family. This is for you and your family. There are some of you that have kids that would absolutely be able and should, as part of a church family, to be able to stand up and share what the word of the Lord has said to them. Amen? Amen. So again, start asking. We have not because we ask not. God has promised, and he has a promise for you and a promise for your family. What is it, and have you shared it with them? 
We'll talk more about that next weekend. Today, what, what we're going to do, this is where we're headed. Today, we are going to finish. If the Lord shall tarry, we will finish Luke chapter 6. Yes. Amen. We're going we're gonna to finish this up. Next week, we're going to go in and, and we're going to have a time of wonderful family worship together. We're going to come back. And what I want to do is I'm going to take a break from Luke. And I want to begin to go into the letters in Revelation, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I want to go into looking at the letters that were written by John to the church. Because as I read them, they were, they were written to the church but they're just as applicable to us today. And if you read through those letters, you'll see that this could very well be a letter that would be written to any and every church that's out there. And I think the timing is just right. God's timing is always right. And so we're going to do that. We're going to go in and we're going to take a look at Revelation. We'll look into chapter 1, take some time looking at John, and then we're going to break down those letters and go into that in, uh, in detail. So, but what I want to finish up today is this Sermon on the Mount. What I, again, I believe to be the most important sermon that has ever been preached. And I am not talking about mine. I'm talking about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. That we have been taking uh, past eight weeks or so to go through this and break it down. And I, again, tell you, it is not an exhaustive study. I have gotten notes and messages from different one of you that have different thoughts towards some of the things in different ways that God caused this word to be applied in their life or applied as they dug in deeper and dug in. Look, we could start all over and go through the whole thing again and not preach the same sermons. Because God's word is a depth, it's a well, it's not a, it's not a pond. And so we're, gonna, we're diving into that. And if you, need, if you have the app, and again, the Android app is back up. If you have not downloaded it, you can. Please go and download the church's app, and, and you can open it up. In there, there's a place for sermon notes, and you can follow along. You can see the scriptures in there. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 6. We are going to finish looking at verses 37 through 49, where Jesus has begun to, for the first time, show us about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God in this world. And he's describing in this world what he knows to be truth in this world. He's describing to us what it is that goes on here that nobody's ever known before. Nobody's ever been from there to here before. Nobody's ever, ever known what that was. And so Jesus comes from heaven to earth, Emmanuel, and he comes into this earth and he begins to describe to us what this kingdom is like. And he calls you and I to begin to live. And he says, I listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to share with you kingdom principles. At some point, I'm leaving. I'm going to go. I'm going into the grave. I'm going to be resurrected. I am going to offer you an opportunity for new life. I'm going to call you to be born again. And he says, your roots will then be implanted into this kingdom. But I'm going to leave you in this kingdom. And what I'm asking you as the church, my, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to trust me, to believe me, to believe what I say is true and begin to be obedient to that even while you're living in this world. Yes. And it's what he's calling us to. He's calling us to a life that's set apart. He's calling us to a life that reflects that kingdom, not this kingdom, even while we live in this kingdom. 
And so this is what he's calling us to. And he's giving us these principles and he's saying, and whatever principles you are applying to your life or however it is that you're living your life is a reflection of where your roots are going down. Are you rooted in his kingdom or are you rooted in this kingdom? So, where have you put your trust? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you will today open up our hearts and minds to the truth of your word. Help us, Lord God, to glean from your word, from truth. Help us to receive, Lord, with open ears, open minds, and open hearts what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to your church. Lord, I open up and I pray, God, speak to me today. Let me, Lord God, be transformed. I receive from you, Lord, what you have intended for me, and I pray that I receive it in gladness. And I thank you for that today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So we have been taking, at least in this portion of Scripture, the last six weeks or so, and going through some of the principles and breaking them down. Even in that, again, please, dive in deeper. Dive in deeper. There's so much in here. This is Jesus speaking. And he's giving us these principles. And the first principle that we talked about was this, that forgiven people must forgive. He doesn't say should forgive. We must forgive. In verse 37 of Luke 6, he says, Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So he calls us to be, as forgiven people, he calls us to forgive. Second principle was getters should be givers. If you have received from the Lord, then you should be willing to give what the Lord has given you. And again, it's not just a financial statement. It is in everything. He says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. And then the third principle that we talked about a couple weeks back is that leaders should lead themselves. God calls us to deal with some things in our own lives before we start trying to deal with all the things that we see in the lives of those that are around us. And he gives us this this word. He tells us, verse 39, he, he also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? Well, of course, eventually, they're going to fall into a pit. Eventually, it's going to go bad. And that's the, the, the parable he gives to illustrate this point. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck? Why do you see that little tiny thing that's in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log? Or the, some of your versions will say plank. Actually, one of the best definitions would be beam. Don't you see? And again, what he's talking about is what's supporting your house. Somebody shared this with me this week, and I looked into it. And again, you can go into this in a whole different way. But he's talking about what's supporting your life? What's supporting your house? What is it in this world that you've put as an anchor that's holding things up? Look, what's the, what is the log? What's the beam that's in your eye? What have you built your house around? He says that we need to deal with that before we start trying to deal with the little sliver that's in your brother's eye. He says, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is in your, or out that is in your eye when you yourself can't see the log that's in your own eye. And he says, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. 
Again, I, I'm not going to go back into all these. I explained them in detail in the sermons in the past. You can go back. They're all on the website. They're all on the app. You can go get those. Last week, we talked about good trees will produce good fruit. Now, again, let me just also clarify that, you know what? That doesn't mean that there won't be some fruit in our lives sometimes just because it might, we may have a good tree and once in a while there's going to be some bad fruit that comes on that. All right, so it doesn't mean that it's a perfect tree. It just means that in a general sense, I mean, that tree is producing good fruit. And you know what? When there's bad fruit, we pick it off, we take care of it, we repent of that. And in your life, when you find something that needs to be changed or changed in your life, are you just there, you know what? Hey, no big deal. I can keep on doing whatever it is I'm doing. Even if God says it's not right, I can keep doing it because I'm under grace. No, you're under sloppy grace. God calls us to this place of being changed and transformed. Are you just looking at that, that bad fruit in your life going, you know what? It's not so bad. Or are you saying, God, forgive me. Help me. I don't want to be this way. I want to make these changes in my life. I need you, God. Is it a spirit of acceptance or a spirit of repentance? He says in verse 43, no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes and nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, out of the abundance of the sum, the center, the essence of who you are, out of the root of who you are, your mouth will speak. And so Jesus is making this statement saying, listen, you can't say good tree with nothing but bad fruit. Hey, it's not, it's not a good tree. That does not make any sense at all. And so Jesus is saying, listen, I'm not looking. He's speaking, think of who he's speaking to. He's speaking to all these religious people and saying, look, I don't want more behavior modification. I'm not looking for you to become more religiously uh, strengthened. I'm not looking for you to become more legalistic. I'm not looking for you to change your behavior. I'm looking to see regeneration. He's looking for total transformation, starting from the root in. Religion tries to transform us from the outside in. God transforms us from the inside out. And he's saying, look, I, I don't need you. Jesus doesn't need anything. And he's saying, I don't need you to be a better person. You need to become a different person. And he says it this way. You must be born again. That's what Jesus says. So, yes, Jesus is looking for changed behavior, but Jesus is looking for more than just changed behavior. He wants new people, born again people. And then he comes back, and I explained that because then he comes back and he brings us to the, the sum, summation of what he's saying, and he does this in absolutely the most amazing way. And the, the fifth principle that I want to share with you and close with is this, that... <laughs> truth plus obedience equals a rock-solid foundation. Sounds good, right? It's catchy. Yeah. Truth plus obedience equals a rock-solid foundation. Praise God. Okay, here we go. Verse 46. 
why do you call me Lord, Lord? Jesus said it, and not do what I tell you. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Let's personalize it. Why do I say, why do I call you Lord, Lord, and then not do what you say? I think it's a great question. I think it's a question we should all wrestle with. We come to church and, and we, we sing these beautiful worship songs. We, we come to church because Jesus deserves our worship. Why? Because he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the God who came from heaven to earth to bring salvation to those that are in need. He is the God who is perfect in all of his ways. In him is no shadow, is no changing. There is nothing that's not perfect about him. He knows everything that there is to know. He is the one who created us from the very fingerprints each and every one of us have to the way in which our DNA works. He's the one who knows our yesterdays. He knows our todays and he knows all of our tomorrows. He is God Almighty, but I disagree with him. Yeah, all that's true, but yeah, you missed it on this one in my life. You know what? We say that every time we sin. With our actions, we're saying, eh, I don't really believe that's going to happen here. I think it's a great question that we should wrestle with. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? And then in verse 47, he says, everyone who comes to me. First things first. We must come to Jesus. Church, it doesn't say we must come to church. He says first things first. First things first is you must come to Jesus. Do you need to come to Jesus this morning? Do you need to come to him for the forgiveness of your sins, the cleansing of your soul? Do you need to come to receive a right spirit and a right new heart that he would place within you? Do you need to come to him today to be overcome that you might overwhelm those bad things and see the good things that God has planned opened up in you to rid you of the condemnation that this worldly living brings to see the conviction of the Holy Spirit that leads to the fruit of the spirit in your life? Do you need to come to Jesus today? I am telling you right now, Jesus says, where two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst. And Jesus, the most important, the most imperative thing that he wants to do today is to see those who have not come to him, come to him. And he stands before each and every one, knowing your heart, knowing which kingdom you've rooted yourself. And he's extending his hand to each and every one of you that are in need today. And he's saying, come to me. I know you're weary. I know you're burdened. I know you're heavy laden. I know you're struggling. I know the breaking of your heart. I know where you're at right now. And if you'll come to me, I have healing. I have wholeness for you. And his hand is outstretched to each and every one of you because he loves you.
do you need to come to Jesus today? As pastor, let me say this. Please, come to Jesus. It starts right there. Everyone, everyone who comes to me, and hears my words, that's the truth. Everyone who comes and hears the truth and does them, that's obedience. Truth plus obedience. And then he says, I'll show you what it's like. And he gives us this great analogy of these two houses. He uses two houses that could be exactly identical houses. I mean, he doesn't specifically say that, but again, I think they're two wonderfully, religiously built houses. And he says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them and does them, this is what he's like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on a rock. He's talking about bedrock, that he did the work to dig down deep to the bedrock. And when a flood arose and the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. It had a foundation that was laid on bedrock and it could not be shaken. And then he gives us the analogy of another house. And he says, but the one who hears and does not do them, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? He says, why, but the one who, who hears and does not do them is like the man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So he's talking about these two houses, and these two houses could absolutely be identical houses in what we see, in what it is that we perceive, in what they look like. But Jesus is saying there's two ways to build that house. One way is with a foundation, and one way is without a foundation. And you can build that same house, but it will make a very big difference. A house with a foundation is set on the rock. It's set on the bedrock. He did the work to lay down that foundation that would dig down and go to the very, the very bedrock that it needed to be dug down to. And when the floods come and the streams arise, it will stand. It will persevere. It will last. It will be fine. But a house without a foundation... A house that sets itself on shifting sand, on things that are mobile, things that are moving, things that are, are, are true one day in our mind and not the next. It's only a matter of time, church. It is not a point of will that house fall. It's only a matter of time until that house will fall. That house will be destroyed. So I, look, you know, if I went down to the bank and I said, hey, I've got plenty of money for a deposit. I want to borrow enough money that I can buy this house that's on the beach and it doesn't have a foundation. The, the bank, they're not going to give me a loan. I don't care how much down payment I got. They're not going to give me a loan because they know it's only a matter of time before that house is completely destroyed. They're not going to do it. And here's what Jesus is saying, church. Look, in this world, you're going to have trouble. 
You're going to have trials. You're going to have turmoil. You're going to have hardships that are going to come against your house. You're going to have raging floods that want to come against your house. Listen, in this fallen world, even though our roots are in this kingdom, we are in this world. We're not of this world. We live by a higher power. We live by a higher authority. We live by higher rules. We live by a higher calling. But we still live that calling. We live that way in this world. And that means that while we're in this fallen world, surrounded by fallen people, surrounded by the the free will that God has given to each and every one of us and each and every one of those around us, there will come problems in your life. There will come times when people, you know what? They will lose their job. The waters will come against your house. There are times when you will go through financial difficulties. There are times, you know what, in this world when when we will suffer with sickness. Look, hey, in this world... I mean, if the Lord should tarry, none of us are getting out alive. So we're going to have to deal with death. We're going to have to deal with the death of loved ones. We're going to have to do what, what the truth is in this world, you will have trouble. And in John chapter 16, Jesus, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You, and, and that word trouble, honestly, if you look at the definition in the Greek, that word trouble means trouble involving direct suffering. It's going to come against your house, and Jesus is promising that. We shouldn't be surprised when, all that, when things start happening or things start coming against us or we have to start standing in faith, start believing, start standing and saying, God, no, this is your kingdom. We, when we have to start standing and saying, no. I but listen, it's about how the, we've laid this foundation and what have we built upon that foundation that we've laid. And Jesus is telling us, listen, don't build your house, don't build your life in such a way that you would say, okay, you know what? Everything will be okay as long as everything's okay. Hey, everything will be fine as long as everything's fine. Everything will be all right as long as everything's all right. I'll be good as long as he does what I want him to. Look, don't live your life in such a way that, you know, everything's going to be fine as long as nothing goes wrong. Because church, look, in this fallen world, in this world, something's going to go wrong. There's going to be things that happen. And, And Jesus is telling us this. He's sharing that with us right up front. Storms will come. There will be storms in this world, meaning hardships and trial and strife. Something is going to come. Doesn't mean we can't have victory in the midst of it. Doesn't mean we can't have victory over it. But those things are going to come. So it's imperative. What kind of foundation do you have? Because the truth is, is, and, and honestly, in the church, I see it a lot. A lot of people don't pay attention to the foundation. All they pay attention to is what everyone else sees. Because I just want a house that looks this way. We don't pay attention to the foundation that we build our life on. And you know what? You can build your foundation, you can build your life on religious stuff. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can build your life on certain principles that, okay, this is what I live by. 
You, you can, you know what? You can build your life by your church attendance and your church this and your church that. You can build your life. You can build your life on, on some doctrine and theology. You can even build your life simply on the fact that, you know what? Yeah, me and Jesus. Jesus is my homeboy. Just for the record, Jesus is nobody's homeboy. <laughs> you can build your life, you can build you know, your, your prayer life you know, in a self-centered kind of way, but yeah, I pray all the time about all the things I... You know what? We can build our lives on Bible reading. I, yeah, I read my Bible. I read it every day. And I feel guilty when I don't get my chapter a day in. We build our lives on the activity of things without gaining the understanding from them. We don't have this understanding that comes. And so we've built this religious looking life. But when the storms come, we find ourselves floundering and going, what happened? As my life is being torn apart, as I'm being driven downstream, as I'm floating down the gutter, what happened? It's at that point that we're floating downstream going, how do I put a, how do I put a foundation under this now? Sorry, church, but at that point, it's a little late. That's why he's telling us this. And I love you. I, I do. I, I love you, and I want to share the truth with you. I want good for you. I want what is the very best for each and every one of you. And I know that the best for you is what the truth is. But it's your life. And, and you can go through this life however you want. You can go through this life blaming everybody else for why these things happened, why this went on. You can blame everybody else for your circumstances. You can make excuses for yourself about why you did this and they did that. You can go through life passing the buck, blaming somebody else for everything that's gone on. You can, you, you know what? You can blame it all on your parents. If they had done a better job, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be choosing this. If they had just done a better job with this, if they hadn't been so strict with that, you can blame your parents all you want. You, you know what? You can rail against the culture. You realize the church in every culture has had to deal with the worldly culture? You can, honestly, you know what, you, you know, you can hope, oh Lord, I hope this November we see a big change in the election and we finally, we elect people that will go into Congress and they'll vote into law that every person deserves a free foundation. Or, what we can do, church, is we can realize that God's called us God calls us to be adults. He calls us to grow up. It's not respective of age. It's just a matter of, of our, where we're at. He, he said, grow up. Meaning, take responsibility. Don't blame everybody else. Take responsibility. Yes, we give our lives to Jesus. 
But you know, inside of that, he still gives us free will as to how we stand and what we do and the choices that we make. And at some point, he's looking to you and I and saying, take responsibility. You need to come. We have to come as adults and say, you know what? This is my life. This is my house. This is my foundation. This is my responsibility, and God has given it to me. And if God gives me a responsibility, God will supply what I need to fulfill that responsibility. And so Jesus is asking these questions, and he's speaking to these people. He's speaking to these religious people. He's speaking to these people, and all these things are going on that are there. And and he's saying to these people then, he's saying, listen, is your problem a truth problem? Or an obedience problem. And I believe that when Luke put this sermon there, put this together and described what Jesus had said, I believe with all my heart that God was using his pen to pronounce a statement, to create questions that were just as valid then as they still are today. And so just like Jesus, through the statements, was saying to them, I, I say, I'd say he's saying the same thing to us today, to you today. Are you having a truth problem or are you having an obedience problem? Because he's talking about the foundation here, not the house. He says in verse 47, everyone who hears my words, right? Everyone who hears my words. You know what that is? That's truth. Everyone who hears this truth. Jesus said in other places, sanctify them with the truth. He says, I am the word. The word is life. I am truth. The word of God is true. It is true in every circumstance, in every situation. So church, let's begin with this. Are you having a truth problem? Meaning, you're just not putting a lot of truth in. You're, you're just not getting a lot of truth. Meaning that you're not, you're not really reading your Bible. You're not getting into your word every day. You're not getting into the word until the word gets into you. We're not taking the time to get that truth into our life. We're not taking the time to dig beneath the surface and to see what God is truly saying. We're not taking the time to receive that truth and then to memorize that truth in our life, to get it in our hearts, to see, God, I need this, I need you, I need this in my life, to know what the Bible says about the circumstances and things that are trying to come against our house. Do we know what the Bible says? See, truth comes through Scripture. It is the truth. And and again, if you're not getting into the Word, then the truth is not getting into you. We need this truth, and truth will come through the Scripture. Truth will come through the conviction of the Holy Spirit as He enlightens that Scripture in our heart, as He gives us that Word of God and says, listen, He wants to speak this into our life and bring revelation to what God is saying. It will come in our lives. It will come through godly friends who are willing to do what the Bible has asked and called them and requires of them. It's godly friends that will speak into our life and help us in those places of blindness and in those places of hypocrisy, those places where where we struggle, that will give us good biblical counsel. 
Church truth can come through good biblical books, biblically based books, biblical truth that we can receive from good Bible teachers. Look, do you have a truth problem? Meaning you're not inputting a lot of truth. I mean, I've told you this before. If all you're doing to get truth into you is what you're receiving on Sunday morning, you have truth anemia. You're, you're, you're totally starving yourself. You, you have a truth problem. That's why, again, trying to get you into your word, trying to get you into it all. You may have a lot of information. You may have a lot of YouTube videos. But it's not truth. You know what, I mean, we can, and I'll say it this way, I know that it's not in every situation, but in much, what we're doing is we're taking, and you know what, we're reading a bunch of secular garbage about how to fix our godly marriage. Or, or fix our life, or fix our kids. When the truth is in him. Are we having a truth problem? Church, are you believing lies? Are you believing things that are inconsistent with Scripture? Is it a truth problem? God says one thing. God says one thing about a certain lifestyle, and, and, and the culture around us says another thing, and now we're conflicted because we don't know what's right and what's not. We don't know. This feels so right, and that, God, it feels so But So we, we have a conflict. Do we have a truth problem? I want to give you a word of advice here and I want you to take out a pen. I want you to write this down. I mean, this is something you do not want to miss. If you get nothing else, write this down. Don't believe everything you think. Meditate on that. Don't believe everything you think. Why? Because in this world, we are prone towards blindness. We are tr- prone towards hypocrisy. So as we grow out of that, and as, we, as the born again are sanctified, what happens is that we have to come to the conclusion that some of the things that I think are wrong. So you're going to need some people around you that will help you put truth in you because some of the thoughts and the ways that we think about certain things are filled with folly and error. So we need to understand that. Is your problem a truth problem? Or is your problem an obedience problem? He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words, who hears the truth, and does them, there's obedience. Meaning, you know what to do, you're just not going to do it. Okay, you know what you're supposed to do, you're just not going to do it. Not only did Jesus confront this, but James, Jesus' brother, confronts this in James chapter 1, in verse 22. He says this, he says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourself. What does that mean? Don't just think you can come and listen to the word and find that you're in just good standing. Don't deceive yourself. He says this, 
As simple as James can say it, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Okay, he's not looking for sacrifice. He's looking for obedience. If you love me, he says, obey me. Those are Jesus' words. You know, but I, I spent time praying about this and I spent time, you know, because some of this comes, it hits close to home. And, and I want to share with you some things here because, you know, I, I, end up, I do a lot of counseling and counseling can be, counseling can be really hard. A lot of pastors don't do counseling because the people that they counsel, a couple of things happen. One is the people that they counsel come to church the next week and the pastor, and I'm preaching, and they'll say, oh, he's, he's sharing all my dirty secrets with everybody. <laughs> you know, little do they know, they came to see me on Thursday and I had my sermon finished on Tuesday. Yeah. But they'll, oh, I can't believe he did that. And they'll go out there and talk bad about the pastor. One of the, the other things that happen is they'll come for advice and I'll, I'll give them what I believe to be godly biblical advice, share scripture, and, and, and then they'll leave and when they're embarrassed, oh, now the pastor knows my stuff. Or two, now the pastor knows my stuff and I'm not doing what he said. I gotta go find a new pastor that doesn't know my stuff. So a lot of pastors won't do counseling. Won't, won't, won't spend time doing that. Counseling is, is as awkward as it can be. Counseling is really, when it comes down to it, just for all of you that want to, you know, we're going to settle a lot of counseling issues right here, right now. <laughs> counseling is really, really three things. Three questions that need to be asked. The first question in counseling, and, and you can go about it in different ways. I'm just going to give you the cut to the chase version. The first question is, what's the problem? What are you struggling with? What's your problem? And then enduring awkward silence. <laughs> Counseling is a lot of enduring awkward silence. So what's the problem? Awkward silence. And then they'll finally you know, end up sharing the problem. And then the second question as a pastor, the second question I always ask or want to get to the, the root of is, so what's God told you to do? And this is amazing. You would think that the high majority of people would be, I don't know. The truth is, is that almost nine out of ten times that I ask that question, they know what God has told them. It just takes some awkward silence. <laughs> and... All of a sudden, they're sharing, well, this is what God said. Sometimes wishing they hadn't said it the moment they said it. Because they got this feeling that the third question's coming. Are you going to do that? <laughs> and I mean, again, you know, th this is the basis of counseling. And then you pray. And see you next week. <laughs> so again, it, it really does boil down to that. Now, as I was thinking through this, I want to share some things with you as an example. I am using none of you as an example. 
I get accused of this all the time. I am not. I'm going to share with you some examples. And these people that I'm going to share with you examples about, they don't go to our church. They haven't come to our church in a long time. There are many of them were from the past and people that I'd counseled over the years at the church I came from. I did a lot of the counseling there. So there's things that I, I are from that. But I promise you that nobody that I am talking about is here at our church, nor would they even remotely be possibly watching online. Amen? Amen. So I am promising you that. So don't walk out and go, oh, he lied. Because <laughs> some of this is going to sound close to home, possibly, for some of you. Amen. Let's face it, there's nothing new under the sun. But I, I did purposefully spend time praying to pick out illustrations that had nothing to do with anybody that is in our church. So, I had this guy who came to see me. And he came in, and, and, and he was a big guy. And he comes in, and he sits down, and, and you know, you could tell he's out of shape, he's, he's overweight. And, um, and we start talking, great guy, nice guy. And we start talking and we little talk, so, so what's the problem? And, and he said, man, I'm just, I'm really struggling with my weight. And, and I, I, again, at, I, at that point in my life, you know, I, I was having some struggles. And, and I, man, I understand the struggle. I understand the difficulty of it. I know how that's going. So, we talked and then got to the place where the second question, so what did God tell you to do? And he said, well, man, I've been really thinking about this and I've really been praying about this. I've been reading about this and trying to study and I really think that I've made food an idol. And I think that what God has told me is that God wants me to eat less and exercise more. Wow. <laughs> Counseling over. That is awesome. I mean, that sure sounds like God to me. And I said this. I said, well, are you going to do it? And he said, well, I'm praying about it. <laughs> Church, listen, this is, you know, this is not, don't take this as sacrilegious. There's some things you don't need to pray about. You, you just need to do it. So, well, like, well, well. I'll get back to, in a nice way. So what are you praying about? Whether you're going to do it or not? <laughs> I mean, are you, come on. Let's go. Let me help. I want to come alongside of you. Let's do, this sounds really good. Because listen, just praying about it, you're not going to lose weight. But you will if you obey God. So you came for me for counseling. This is what I want to tell you. Exercise more and eat less. Because the answer is do what God told you to do. There's no magic fix. And, and so he left the church. I had a wife that came to see me. And, and, and she said, Pastor, uh, we have marital problems. Our marriage is a mess. You know, my husband, he's struggling. I can tell he's miserable. And because he's miserable, I'm miserable. He's depressed and I just don't know what to do. 
So again, this was years ago, and I made the fatal mistake of saying, well, what did you do? Not a good statement to make, but probably in some ways appropriate because she responded with, well, you know what? He's miserable and, and I find myself just nagging him and nagging him and nagging him because he irritates me so much. So I said, well, there's your problem. He's depressed and you're nagging him, and that makes him miserable and more depressed, and now you're nagging him because he's depressed, and now he's even more depressed. It's not working, is it? <laughs> so what did God tell you to do? Awkward silence. <laughs> and she said, well, you know what? God told me that when he annoys me, I should first pray before I say anything. And I should spend some time in prayer for him that the Holy Spirit would begin to speak to him and bring comfort to him, that the Holy Spirit, and, then, and, and if he doesn't respond to that, then maybe I could say something gently in a loving way. Whoa. This is, I felt the anointing come into the room. It was like, this is awesome. That's, praise God. So, well, are you going to do it? She said, oh, man, he annoys me a lot. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> Bring him in. We can cry together. We can hug. <laughs> but there's no plan B here. They're no longer married, nor going to church. I had another lady that came in, and uh, in conversation, she, um, she said, I, Pastor Mark, you know, and she said, I, basically, I'll, I'll summarize, she said, I'm a Christian, and my boyfriend, he's not a Christian. And she said, we've been dating and things are getting really serious. And so we were talking and I found out, you know, they're sleeping together. And now they're thinking about moving in together. So, well, we don't need to go to the question number one because there's problem one, two, and three right there. One, you're unequally yoked. Two, you're sleeping with this guy out of wedlock. And three, you're thinking about moving into cohabitate. And I said to her, so what has God told you to do? Awkward silence. And she said, well, he said that I really shouldn't be dating him. Wow. Well, are you going to do it? She said, oh, but I love him, and I'm praying that he'll become a Christian. Now, that sounds so noble and so unbiblical. Really? Seriously? You're, you're going to do that even when God's told you over here? And then she said this. She said, Pastor, could you meet with him? 
You mean you want me to help you supersede and go around what God told you to do? No, I won't do that. I, I get couples that will come together. We're, you know, we're, we're not married, you know, but we're, we're, we're thinking about living together. Can, can you pray that we'll find the right apartment? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> no, but thank you for sharing with me how I should be praying. You know, they moved in together and ended up not getting married, broke up, no, not together, and nor in, in church. Look, I mean, to her, it was, first things first, why don't you just obey God first? You do what God's told you to do. And church, this is what we do. And again, I know these stories, we laugh about it. But I believe that the Holy Spirit right now would turn to each and every one of us and say, and you do it too. So do I. Struggle. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? See, church, for some of us, it's a truth problem. It's a truth problem. We just don't know what we're talking about all these issues and stuff and everything. Biblically, we just don't know what we're talking about because we don't have any, the truth in us. For others, it's an obedience problem. This whole foundation thing. There's a truth problem, we don't know what we're talking about, or there's this obedience problem. Yeah, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm just not going to do it. And church... There are many who come in, and I know there are those who come into this place today. And well, you know what? Yeah, you come in. Oh, I can't wait. I, oh, I hope Pastor's got something new for me today. I hope he's got a new message. He, Pastor, we want a new message. We want a new scripture. We want a new promise. We want a new truth. We want new this. We want you to give us something new. It's got to be new. It's got to be this. And if he doesn't give us something new, I'll go down the street to find somebody that will give me something new. My job isn't to give you something new. My job is to encourage you, hey, how about you start obeying the truth that you already know? Amen. How about if we started to take the truth that we already know and apply it to our lives? You know what? We are in this world today. We are over, we are, we are over-informed and under-applied. And what God is saying is, I want you to be over-applied and under-informed. I mean, he wants them to bring them together, but he wants to apply what we know. And when we get to that place where we're applying what we know, God's like, yeah, come on, I got some fresh new things for you. I got some promises here. I got some truth for you. I want to, I want to deposit this into your spirit. But right now, how about if you just do what I've already told you to do? And watch what I do. Because church, truth plus obedience equals a rock-solid foundation. And this is what Jesus is telling us. And if we're building on anything else, it's not the rock-solid foundation. So let me ask you this. What has the Holy Spirit highlighted in your life? We've gone through these principles. And again, you can add to the list. 
But we've gone through these. And what is the Holy Spirit? What's he highlighting to you? Is he, is he sharing with you that, you know what? You need to get some of these things as truth in you. Struggling with that? Well, I don't understand the whole forgive thing, so I'm not gonna do it. I don't wanna. You know what you need to do is you need to know what the truth has to say about this place of forgiveness. And when you do, then you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you apply it to your life. Is it a truth problem or an obedience problem? Is it truth because you don't know what those principles mean and what it is that he's saying to us? Or is it a truth problem because you don't know what those kingdom principles are? Or is it an obedience problem where we're having a hard time and we're just not applying those kingdom principles while living in this world? Is it an obedience problem? What is it? Again, I don't know. Your struggles are different than my struggles. I know that I have my struggles just like many of you. And I don't know what those are. But praise God for this. The Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit knows what's going on in you. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows where your rebellion is. He knows what he has planned for you. As I said in the very beginning, he is all of those things. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the God who knows your yesterdays, your todays, and your tomorrows. But will we trust him with our tomorrows today? Will we trust him with that? And I may not have touched base on what your struggle may be, but the Holy Spirit, he'll do that. And I believe that he's telling you right now. I trust him for that. That he is speaking into your life because he knows that and he knows what he wants to say to you. I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit still speaks and that he will speak to you about this if you desire to hear from him. He'll tell you. He'll share it with you. And church, as we close, listen, and, and worship team, you can start to make your way up. I want, we want, we want truth to be in you because we also then want obedience to flow through you. And this is what God has called us to in this place of having a rock solid foundation. And so that means as we come alongside of you, what I want to say is, listen, if you don't have a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. If you don't have a paper Bible, we want to get it into your hands. We want you to study your word. We want you to read your word. We want you to get into it and memorize your word. We want you to take that word of God and begin to dissect it and dive into it. We want you to learn what it has to say, what it's telling you, how it's speaking to the circumstances in your life. We want you to come to Bible study. We want you to come be a part of life group. We want you to come. Listen, you're not going to make it church. You're not going to make it 20, 30, 50 years all by yourself. Amen. Okay, the wolf, he comes and he, he's looking for the one that's all alone. He's looking for the one that's separated. He's looking for the one that's out there. He's looking for the stray. He's looking for the wandering. He's looking for those who are helplessly floating downstream. He's looking for those whose houses have crashed and burned and are laying in the gutter. He's looking for those that he can take and he can overwhelm. He's looking for sheep to devour. 
what he's doing. And church, if you're blind to your own blindness, if you're a, a hypocrite about your own hypocrisy, and we all are, church. To a certain extent, we all are. Then church, you're gonna need people in community around you. You're gonna need people that'll come into your life, people that will help keep you moving in the right direction, people that will help you with the splinter, the sliver, this little bit that's in your eye, people that will help you to speak into your life and help you keep going in the right direction, to keep you going towards Jesus to keep you looking at building the foundation. Church, that's why we have life groups. Life groups is is where we do that. It's where they get together each week and get together and, and break bread together and usually go through and discuss the sermon together. Talk about the different places. Look, I, as I told you before, if this isn't exhaustive. You should be able to find new things and new places that the scriptures that we've talked about would take you in your discussion and then praying one for another, praying over each other, doing life together like God's called us to. Because church, here, what I don't want to have happen is what I don't want you to do is I don't want any of you to walk out of this place today feeling like you've been judged. Feeling like, you know what, I pointed out things in your life that need work and you have this feeling great. Now I'm condemned. There's no hope. And we simply say, there you go. See you later. Come on back next week. Now we want to invite you to come into the family of God. To come into the family that that here in this is new life. To come into the community that God has blessed us with and given us here. But church, first things first. I want you to come to Jesus. To come to Him today. He's here and his hand is outstretched. Come to Jesus. His eyes are filled with love for you. Come to Jesus. He knows the best for you. Come to Jesus for the forgiveness of sin and the grace that he brings. You don't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But it's God's good gift to you and me that we would receive by grace salvation. That though we may have troubles in this world, we are not of this world. We are of another kingdom because we've been born again. Come to Jesus today. But I don't want to just leave it there. I also want you to come to Life Group. Oh, I don't need that stuff. Maybe there's somebody there that needs you. Come to Bible studies. I don't know. That's awkward sometimes. Get over yourself. So what? Come get a Bible. Let us help you. We love you. We want to be there for you. Our goal isn't to tear you up. Our goal is not to destroy you. The goal is to serve you. Our goal is not for you to be condemned. Our goal is to come alongside of you so that we can be a help to you. 
because we love you. So get connected. Get connected to his kingdom and get connected to what he's got as his kingdom here on earth. Get connected. We connect ourselves to the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he also then uses the church. And it's through the church that we feel a connection to him. So church, let me just close with this. What is your problem? God told you to do? Are you going to do it? Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, come to you, Father, and thank you that your promise was true when you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to redeem us, to come help us to find a way out of something that we had no way out of. And I thank you, Jesus, that when you were resurrected from the dead and overcame death, hell, and the grave, and, and, and before you ascended back to your kingdom in heaven. You said that you were going to go and you promised that you would send the Holy Spirit. And just as the Father's promise was true about sending Jesus, our Jesus promise is true about sending the Holy Spirit. So today, Lord, fill us with your Spirit. Lead us and guide us Holy Spirit, take your liberties in us, Holy Spirit. Speak to the lives of each and every one that's here, of the depth, the breadth, of the love that you have for each one. Draw those who are unsaved, Lord. Draw them into your kingdom. Draw them, Lord God, into the, the womb that they might be born again. those struggling with truth today, Lord. Encourage their hearts. Don't let them be condemned. Let them be convicted. Lord, that we can, we can to begin today to infuse our lives with your truth. For those who are struggling with obedience, oh, Holy Spirit, we need you to fill us with power, the dunamis power from on high, that we might be strengthened, that we might be encouraged, that we might be empowered to, Lord God, have your thoughts and then obey. Come on, church, God knows that what he's calling you to obey, what he's calling you to do is so difficult that you can't do it on your own and you need God's presence in you to do it. He knows that. You just ask the Holy Spirit to help you right now.
your problem? What is God asking you to do? Or what has God told you to do? Will you do it?